Good evening, everyone in Alberta, Canada, and beyond. It is Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. Spring has finally arrived, and I'm looking forward to getting my little convertible out there, driving around the roads in Alberta. My name is Carrie Lambert, and I welcome you to an online webinar featuring solutions for a new Alberta brought to you by the Alberta Prosperity Project, also known as APP. Our purpose is to educate, inspire, and unite all Albertans, businesses, and organizations to protect their prosperity, individual freedoms, rights, and sovereignty by empowering the Alberta government to restructure Alberta's relationship with Canada. Of course, we couldn't do this without your help. If this is your first time watching, welcome, and I hope you find this information engaging and want to find out more. And if you're a regular APP webinar viewer, thank you very much for your support. We couldn't do this without you. APP is membership driven with a goal of a million plus members to help steer the political process. APP memberships are one year for $20, two years for $30, three years for $40, or make a donation uh, at albertaprosperityproject.com. We also have APP merchandise available at albertaprosperitystore.com. And uh, if you haven't already done that, please register for the petition. I'm going to call this thing up here to establish Alberta's independence page. And I'll do this one here. That's what that looks like. Really easy website to remember. It is bit.ly slash abvotesyes. Abvoteyes. Actually, I'll put that as my name. So, and I'll leave that for a little bit so people will know what I'm talking about. Let's see if I can do that. Look at that. There you go. So you can go there and uh, register for the uh, what should be a petition to establish Alberta's independence page. So with that, tonight's webinar is entitled The Sovereignist Handbook, Charting the Course to Western Independence with our guest, Corey Morgan. Uh, of course, this is a live webinar, so we ask, encourage you to ask questions and make comments throughout the presentation. Just put three question marks before your question, so it'll be flagged and I can quickly go through and view the questions. If you already don't know, I am running solo, doing the production as well as the, uh, the interrogation of Corey right there. So hopefully everything goes smooth. And uh, like I said, if you just put the question marks before that, uh, that would be great. And with that, I'll bring Corey on and uh, tell you a little bit about him. How you doing there, Corey? Good, Gary. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you. So uh, just in case people don't know who you are, Corey Morgan is a Canadian blogger, Alberta independence activist and columnist for the Western Standard. He also starts the Corey Morgan show on Friday, March 31st on RFD TV, which is rural free delivery uh, TV in the States and uh, the Cowboy Channel. Wow. You could probably talk a little bit about that, too. He was one of the founders of the Alberta Independence Party in 2000, and he's run as a candidate in 2020, uh, 2002, I believe, this, or maybe it is 2001. My notes were screwed up here. 2004 with the Separation Party of Alberta. He later joined the Alberta Alliance in 2006 and was a candidate for the Wild Rose Party in Alberta in 2008, and he ran in the 2015 federal election. And he's the author of the Sovereignist Handbook, Charting the Course to Western Independence. And as you can tell, Corey has a lot of political experience, and he certainly knows what he's talking about. And he was also a restaurant owner, just like me. So there you go. You got to like him just for that. So it's my pleasure to have a conversation with him now. So again, thank you so much for taking the time out and uh, discussing the world of uh, sovereignism. Is that a <laughs> is that a word? Sure. <laughs> Definitely could be. So um, 
I've, I've, I, uh, I'll be honest. I haven't read the entire book, but I have read a number of the chapters and then quickly skimmed through it. And um, do you maybe maybe let's start out kind of as as you do in the introduction. We need to know a little bit about how you got involved in politics because normal people, normal people, don't get involved in politics certainly at the age that you were. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, and I've most definitely never been accused of being normal by any means. And and uh, I'd always been fascinated with politics. I, I actually got sold a, a membership way back when I was 19 years old by Preston Manning at uh, the Calgary Stampede. He was, yeah. he was at a little booth there. And I just kept carrying on. I found out, wow, you can actually go to functions. You can take part in this. You can door knock. You can sit around after and campaigns and strategize. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. Then I learned you could join the board and I went with the Alberta party, which back then was conservative. Yeah. Uh, we got frustrated. It was the days of the, the Chrétien government and things were pretty, pretty heated in Alberta back then as they are now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I broke away with a few other board members and we formed the Alberta independence party with uh, a lot of energy and ambition and, and very little uh, experience or uh, realism. And we learned a lot of things the hard way. I've learned, I specialize in learning things the hard way, but I do learn them at least, which is yeah. important. And that, that's part of what inspired me to write the book. There's no sense people having to do what I already did. Uh, yeah. let, let's make some nice brand new mistakes instead. And uh, the party sort of just hung in there. We were kind of ahead of our time. We had a website. No other parties even had those at the end of the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, but there wasn't much to it. It was an ugly 1990s website. And, and um, probably with this. The flash HTML. <laughs> exactly. The little buttons and everything. And, yeah. but we were pretty proud of it at the time. And, and, and I had come to a conclusion with years of politics, that the system's broken, which I go into a lot more detail in, in the book. It's yeah. the system, not the party in power, which is why we've really got to break out of that, that status quo if we really want uh, real change. Yeah. So the party kind of languished until after that 2000 federal election, which was very harsh. Kretchen got reelected with a majority. He was very hard on Alberta through it. And our website got picked up by the National Post. Okay. And then everything just kind of exploded. Everybody was looking for something. We happened to be the ones standing there with something. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't a well-organized something. It wasn't a well-prepared something. So we got thrown into the national spotlight. Suddenly we had thousands of memberships, even though we still weren't even registered as a party yet. And uh, we had a founding convention, which went fantastic. It was packed. I froze up speaking at it and, and uh, <laughs> made uh, uh, quite a, a weird impression. Yeah. And then Ralph Klein called the election two weeks later and we got slaughtered. Uh, we couldn't get registered in time. Uh, yeah. We ran 14 independent candidates, which did all right for independent candidates, actually. Yeah. And it kind of tied in with the name. And after that, like so many independence parties, uh, within six months, we kind of fell apart into infighting and the, and the party fell by the wayside. Mm -hmm. um, and as you kind of said with your introduction, I, I kept involved in provincial politics on parties and, and uh, at all sorts of levels ever since. And now yeah. I've been more on a a media level rather than the party level. Yeah. So now you're working. Uh, did I even? Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned that you worked for the Western Standard. So, yeah. and how did that? How did that come about too? Uh, well, when Derek had uh, filled a brand, it, at first just fired it up, and he was it was him and uh, Dave uh, Naylor, and they were working out of their basements at that time. Yeah. And he just reached out and said, you know, you, you write a great blog, blog post. Can you just throw the odd column my way? So you know, sure, why not? And, and yeah. I did. And uh, I'd uh, sold the restaurant at one point. I had more time on my hands and I started podcasting and, and Derek's very convincing. He says, well, you know, we, we're trying to expand into podcasting. Why don't you do some over here at the standard? So suddenly I was over there. Uh, the standard was getting better and better. Yeah. And we got larger. Eventually I got hired full time. Uh, the Epoch times as well. Hired me as a, a columnist. I write regularly for them. Yeah. 
and I've, I've just participated since then. I'm kind of part-time at the Standard now, but I still work there and, and uh, I'm very, very into alternative media. Very, I think it's integral for yeah. us to break out uh, of the status quo we're in. Yeah, and and for sure, you are you still have your uh, uh, your finger, I guess, on the pulse of politics. Are you? Uh, I mean, I've watched your show on the Western Standard many times, and you usually do bring in interesting guests. Like maybe it's not pol politics, but uh, maybe you'll bring in um, uh, you know somebody to talk about you know the the nature of of uh, policy or something like that. So it, very engaging that way as well. Um, and and so especially with uh, with what's what's been going on lately, and I'm pretty sure people will be asking about that. But I think the way your book is structured, and I'm actually just going to call up a picture of the book just so people know what we're talking about. Um, and there it is. Um, y y we kind of need to know about the history of uh, independence in Alberta. And do you want to maybe just give a, 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 a quick synopsis of <laughs> if that's even a possibility to talk about how, how this, because... Uh, isn't everybody in uh, in Canada? Don't we all get along? I mean, the country's small enough that we all live together. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, Alberta has always been been uh, uh, chafing within Confederation. We've been kind of battling, and I cover a little bit of the history of it in the book. I mean, right from uh, when farmers were basically put over the barrel, uh, they'd have to pay the shipping to buy implements at an escalated price from the east, yeah. and then they'd have to pay the shipping to ship the goods back out to the east. Uh, yeah. And they had to live a distance away from the rail lines because that was all given to Eastern landowners as part of the deal to get the railway done. Yeah. yeah. So we, we were always crabby and, and, you know, we formed parties like the United Farmers Association, which, you know, some people don't realize that you, those UFA stations actually are the remnants of a party that was in power in Alberta for a long time. Wow. Social credit came yeah. from out this way. Uh, the progressives that eventually merged with the conservatives, those were Western movements. We've always been trying to, to change things. Yeah. It, we, when we get to outright independence movements, I think the the real blossoming came with the National Energy Program, Doug Christie and the, the Western Canada concept. There was also WestFed and, and a few other movements. And again, it sounds so familiar because we get so many constant little groups coming and going. Yeah. Uh, they managed to elect one person in, in Olds Didsbury, uh, uh, Kessler, and he only made it through a by-election and then uh, across the floor, I believe. Mm -hmm. They faded away. Then the Alberta Independence Party that I formed came and went, and then the Separation Party came and went. And uh, yeah. you know it, that's part of what inspired me. Like we're just repeating our actions over exactly. and over and over again. And yeah. while there's a lot of books on why we need independence, I mean, uh, Michael Wagner has written some fantastic books. I can't say good yeah. enough stuff about it. Yeah, or and, even and uh, Michael will actually be on uh, one of these webinars in the next few weeks as well, too. So I'll uh, cool. I'll announce that a little bit later, too. Yeah. Great. Yeah, he's he's great to chat with, and he's written a lot of background of why we need to go, but nobody's really written much on how. And yeah. we get a lot of people. Great. They say, "I'm upset. I've had it. We I'm done with it. I'm ready to go." Yeah. But where do you go? Where's the guidebook? How do you get involved? What do I do? And and that's why I thought, okay, well, let's put the book out there. Let's just put at least what I've learned and and what I've encountered and yeah. and experienced. And yeah. share that so people come in with a bit of a head start. Because getting involved in politics, if you're not a political wiener like me who's been doing it since he was 20 years old, mm -hmm. it could be intimidating. You, you don't know where you're going. You don't know where to start. Yeah. This offers a, a lot of that and gives a good grounding to, to, to help train an activist, I guess. Yeah. And and obviously, where do you get your book? I guess you can get it on uh, CoreyMorgan.com. Uh, well, there's links to it there, and there's a, a site, uh, gvlbooks.com, okay. actually. And that's where a person can buy direct 
uh, saves on those Amazon fees. It, it is available on Amazon and digital and, and, uh, and you can get a physical one there too. Maybe you get a better shipping deal uh, from Amazon. Okay. That's and good. Just search out the Sovereigns handbook. Yeah. And uh, th there should be an audio one coming pretty soon. And it's, it's been well received. I've had it out for about two months now and okay. uh, yeah, people are getting good reviews. Good. Awesome. The, uh, and, and of course, when we're talking about independence and uh, um, you know, the thing that we do with our APP webinars is we always try and tie things together. And so what would, what would an independent Alberta look like, or what would, uh, uh, how would sovereignty work? Uh, and I, I believe you, you obviously talk about that because it's the handbook on, on how to get there. It, it gets towards a little bit of that, of that at the back of the book. And, and I write earlier in the book, like, these are some of the harder exercises. We got to watch it. And, yeah. and when we have these discussions, have them with an open mind. A lot of people have different visions on what an independence should look like. Yeah. And that's, again, how we often divide and get into our infighting. Well, exactly. I'm stopping out of the room because you don't like my vision. Well, yeah. Just hang on because right now we need to get out. That's the first step. So. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I do offer at least some detail on, on a state that I think is fantastic, which is Switzerland, okay. because they're prosperous, they're landlocked, they are, uh, uh, and they're a complicated country. They have 26 cantons, they have four official languages, wow. yet they have no independence movement. How is this possible? You know, if you listen to Canadian logic, these guys should have been shattered into 26 pieces, <laughs> but it's because they give a massive amount of autonomy to every one of those little cantons. And I mean, they vary greatly. They will have a different official language in the next one. And one will be very socialist and one will be very capitalist. Yeah. And the federal entity is a very limited level of government. It, it It's just the general guide for international affairs, the post and uh, military. Aside from that, it leaves it all to those areas because even alberta is diverse from region to region to region and, and people yeah. talk about that you know if yeah. if you separated well then edmonton would separate or or this uh first nations uh reserve right. would separate and yeah. yeah if we recreate the system we just came from they probably will yeah so uh, we need to look at decentralized that's that's the main key so and again i don't want to go down the policy rabbit hole people saying well how fiscally conservative or socially well that's a lot of things to be discussed absolutely yeah, yeah. but the structure needs to be democratic yeah. and decentralized. And, and Switzerland offers a, a very good uh, example of how that sort of thing could work. And you, you know, I really have not looked into Switzerland. I mean, I've, I've the argument about being landlocked certainly comes up all the time. And and how do you get goods to port? And, and you know, you basically just say, well, that's just the way it is. We, we make it through some agreement. And if for some reason we don't have that agreement and they lock us in, well, Alberta is one of the only provinces I think that we could actually survive for quite a while. We've got so much going on for us in terms of energy and uh, and farming. Uh, we've got goods and services that we would be able to provide. So I'm certainly not worried about that. But the what what the big thing is is that how do we how did we even end up being in this sort of a situation where this is even on the table, or maybe it's not even on the table yet per se. But most of our viewers here are are well aware of uh, what's happening in terms of the government from the east. And uh, and I grew up in Manitoba. I grew up in Winnipeg. And it's funny growing up there, gateway to the west, if you want to call it that. And I really did think that all of the western can uh, provinces should be all, all in their own. And that was kind of what was brought up as we were going through school. And, um, and obviously, that's not the way it is. However... 
now that I'm looking at things with with fresh eyes and we hear that uh, how the voting works and that central Alberta certainly or central uh, Canada certainly takes the, the most number of votes and the most money when we go back through and we do equalization payments, et cetera, et cetera. It certainly is looking more like a coalition of sorts would be a good idea. And of course, it really just takes one. And that's why the Alberta Prosperity Project wants to be that leader and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. But again, don't make the mistake that Alberta Prosperity Project is not a party. All we are is an educational vehicle. And, and essentially, we're trying to give that information to our viewers and so that they can go back and maybe educate uh, other people and, uh, and have some talking points that they can say, you know, we give out... 60 billion dollars a year to the feds and we only get back you know 27 and blah 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 so that that is important information to <coughs> basically digest and and have people talk about that um but with that we also talk about a referendum and and what is the uh what's the importance of doing that sort of thing do you want to do you want to maybe just give a a bit of a a synopsis on what you think in terms of uh, a referendum or how we would get to that particular point. Excuse me. Certainly, and, and that's something that's very key in the book. At least I feel, and I know people put forward a lot of views, uh, you know, they may be right, I, I may be wrong, but they, yeah. of how independence would come about. But I feel the only, uh, well, for one, legislatively, the only way we have is through referendum with the Clarity Act. Yeah. And uh, personally, I feel morally, the only way is with a referendum. I don't think we should uh, secede unless we've had a majority of the province say, yeah, we want out. Yeah. So it's our task to make sure that majority wants out. And that's a lot of work. I mean, yeah. I, I, we have our ups and downs, but when push comes to shove, if we held a referendum tomorrow, it would, I believe at best you do 20, 25%. Yeah. And the, the, the fear then would be that you're not going to get another chance for another 10 years. So let's be really careful about calling for a referendum. Learn from Quebec. I have a chapter on that. We can be upset with Quebec, but we can learn from them. Yeah. The reason they haven't called another one is because they don't think they can win it. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to create their winning conditions. They're doing it a terrible way by, by basically making it so intolerable for immigrants and non-French speakers that they're trying to push them all out of the province so that eventually yeah. they'll get those conditions. I think we can yeah. be uh, more reasonable. Yeah. But we need the legislation in Alberta for citizens to initiate the legislation. Yeah. And we need it to be binding. And we don't have either of those right now. Jason Kenney gave a, a fake referendum legislation. There's a, a bar set for... <laughs> invoking it that's impossible yeah and uh, as well uh it's not binding so the first thing i guess is is getting the legislation there so the tool is in our hands and we can all fight about when to pull the trigger on that tool i think it's still a little while yet yeah but we've got to set our sights on getting that tool because without that we're not going any farther yeah and uh, that gets to where I, some people got a little upset with my book and that's fair enough and it, it seems counterintuitive because in the book i basically say independence parties aren't going to get the job done. And they, well, what are you talking about? You formed one, you ran for multiple independence yeah. parties. You put so many hours and, and, you know, sweat equity into them. And I certainly did. And I learned a lot through that. And yeah. I, I'm not saying the people in current independence minded parties are wasting their time, but I've learned it knocking enough doors and going out there. They're not going to win a general election because yeah. the independence concept itself is something almost that has to stand on its own in a referendum. And when you put it in the name of a party, Yep. You dilute the whole thing too much, and there's too much room for infighting. And I think people who have been watching the current independence parties, the Wilders Independence Party, the Independence Party of Alberta, the Buffalo yep. Party of Alberta, the Reform yep. Party of Alberta, the Alberta Advantage Party, 
That's right. They're all uh, unfortunately right now in, in very dire straits from infighting and, and, and problems. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be limited on what they can accomplish. Yeah. And so. why do you, why do you think that there's this in, I, I have my own theory. I'll, I'll let you uh, speak to it first. Why do you think that there is infighting whenever there's this independence movement or, or uh, people form a party or a group? Why do you, why do you think that falls apart? Yeah, well, there's a few reasons. I mean, you can't find anybody harder to try and organize and keep in one room than a bunch of independence-minded people. I mean, they're all individualists. They don't get along well with others. It's their very nature. I mean, the the socialists have it easy in that they focus on centralized power. They want to be led. We want to be left alone. So we're fighting a battle of of just an internal nature of of independent supporters that makes it difficult. The other part is when you get an independence party, great. You might all agree on independence. Fine. But do we agree on the health policy? Do we agree on the school policy? Do we agree on the foreign policy? Do we agree? And now you've suddenly got a hundred other things to fight about yeah. and, and you will. Yeah. And, and, and you just have too many issues packed into one unit to manage to hold it together. And even larger parties have that problem. The Wild Rose Party, the Alberta Alliance Party, yeah. they merged because they were, and they'd split at one point. And then the UCP, it's what conservatives do, but it seems... The smaller and, and more independence-minded you go, the harder it is to keep that group moving as a whole. So that's where the book, again, really focuses on the individual because the groups yes. are going to come and they're going to go. Yeah. But as long as we have a large core of dedicated individuals out there who are advocating and they can move from this group to that group to that party uh, to that ballot box, yeah. that won't go away. Yeah. Um, and that stays. So I know you you got into politics early and it was because, I guess, that you were kind of romance through the idea of, uh, of of politics and Preston Manning and and doing all that kind of stuff. Is there anything that really brought you to the uh, uh, the forefront front to think independence is the only way to go? Yeah, my my turning point, yeah. which again was kind of an ironic thing, was the Delwyn Vreen case. If people remember that, he was an instructor at a at a Christian college in Alberta, and he was openly gay. And this was in the '90s, so it's still pretty darn controversial at that time. Yeah. And he got fired for it. Mm-hmm. And what happened was Alberta didn't have protection for the LGBTQ community in our human rights legislation. Yeah. And an Ottawa judge basically said, well, we're going to read it into your legislation. Now, mm-hmm. I'm very socially liberal. I had no problem with green teaching there. And I had no problem with that being in our human rights legislation. But mm-hmm. we write that in our damn legislation, not some Ottawa judge. That's our job. Don't That's you dare... Good. Yeah. step over our premier, over our elected people and impose this on us. So yeah. as I said, I was kind of contradicted. I, I, I support where he's going, but I did yeah. not support the way he did. And we had no defense against it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized the system's broken. When it comes to push comes to shove, you have a majority government that's supported by the majority of Albertans. But if some Ottawa force doesn't like what you're doing, there's not a damn thing you can do about it. They will step over you and rewrite your own legislation. So that's why I said, that's enough. We, yeah. The system is broken. Yeah, and, and of course, I didn't really get involved in uh, politics until, well, only like maybe three years ago, really, when uh, when the whole COVID thing happened and uh, we lost our restaurant. And, and and at that point, it was like, why why did this happen? And why is there so much uh, bureaucracy? And uh, and who's actually calling shots and all that? So that was kind of my awakening. And, I, and I'm pretty sure I would say more than 50% of our viewers probably had that aha type of moment as well. And in terms of 
some of the discussions we've talked about on on uh, the webinars in, in regards to um, federal politics and and how they're doing certain things and and even provincially how uh, certain parties uh, in power or maybe that are trying to get into power will uh, will do certain nefarious things and tyrannical if you want to call it that and um, and really independence to me was a great idea because almost every argument that we had related to some sort of for our uh, federal policy that really if you got rid of the federal government and you you made it less centralized all of those issues seem to go away right a great deal of them yes yeah like yeah. Even in terms of uh, if we did manage our own healthcare and provincially we're supposed to, uh, if we were able to put pipelines wherever we want and if we had buyers, if we would were able to do that sort of infrastructure without having to go to uh, to daddy federal government in order to ask permission to do it, I think we would be a much in much better position. We'd be a more prosperous uh, uh, province by 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 just by doing that, right? Uh, absolutely, and 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 I cover that in the book, and I, I point out, don't take it personally either. They're working with the way this system works, and yeah. it's math. It's it's not even you know they don't dislike Alberta as much as people might think. They're indifferent to Alberta. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, because we are not the elections are not won or lost here. They're won or lost in Central Canada. Absolutely. And, and a politician who wants to stay in power is going to cater to the wants and needs of Central Canada, even if they feel otherwise. Yeah. Like the, the real hardcore independence movements, I think they come about not when liberals screw us. We're used to that. We expect yeah. it. It's yeah. when the conservatives do it. Yes. That's when it drives it home to people how broken the system is. And and I cover that in the book with a recent one with the conservatives when there was that vote uh, in parliament because Quebec's population had gone down. Mm -hmm. Now, by our rep, by pop, they were supposed to lose a seat. That's just the That's way right. it works. Just That's now. Right. Yeah. The bloc got up and had a temper tantrum. Now, that's their job. They're standing up for their province. Fair enough. But the problem is, the Liberals and many of the Conservatives said, oh, okay, we'll make a special motion. And even though your population is declining, you're going to keep all your extra seats. You just violated the whole principle of rep by pop yep. to cater to Quebec. And Conservatives did it. Pierre Polyev left the Parliament rather than vote on it, which is cowardly. And I, yeah, I like Polyev. He's been on my show a number of times. But, man, yeah. when push comes to shove, the Conservatives are going to serve Central Canada. Uh, Candace Bergen, respectable politician, but she voted for that as a Westerner. She still voted for that to, to disrupt our system of rep by pop. Yeah. It's infuriating. But again, when you look at it and you realize if they ever want to win full government, that's the only way they're going to do it. So if we want change, we're not going to get it in Ottawa. So in, in your book, do you discuss how do we get out of this system? How do we, how do we become our own sovereignists? <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and there's a lot of um, a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Uh, as I cover in the book, like lots of the common arguments against secessionism, the first one that comes up, and I saw a couple of commenters already know, and they have the answers. But person says you're landlocked, you can't do it. Actually, there's a, a many many reasons why that's a, a shallow and, and argument that really doesn't have much basis. But yeah. not everybody readily has that at hand. Yeah. And I have a whole chapter full of those because where you're going to win support is going to be at the the coffee room at work it's at the the family dinner table it's at the the meeting or it's at the bar lots of places but it's one-on-one -on -one. it needs yeah. to be truly organic and grassroots not a party telling it down to you yeah but you telling others build that base and and get those people politicians will follow the leader uh, whoever the next premier might be if it's still daniel smith 
uh, if it's Rachel Notley, we're in a world of trouble. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, if they see support for uh, independence getting that high, and this again is where you can put the tool and makes it easier for the politician. If it's citizens initiated, they can throw their hands up. Say, Wasn't me that initiated the referendum. They did. It's their power and it's their right, right to do it. Right, yeah. And we're bound by what they said. Yeah. So those are kind of the steps in a very small nutshell, build the base of support. If you build it, they will come sort of thing. Yeah. And rationally build it. Be patient. There's a whole book pay, uh, chapter on patience. It's, it's yeah. tough. I know. I've, and uh, we once we get that tipping point, we will get there if we keep pointing that path and converting people one by one. I think the big concern, with especially for this election, and then, of course, uh, the federal election would happen in 2025, is with this whole gloom, doom and gloom uh, World Economic Forum and things that are happening in Europe in terms of uh, – uh, just, just farming and, uh, and fertilizer. And like, there's all this other stuff that we have to kind of be worried about, but the concern would be, could this be our official last election as a provincial, uh, provincially? And I know it's hard to even grasp that because you would say, well, how is that even possible? But with what it, the world is, the world is changing quite a bit. Well, I mean, if, if anything's taught me anything in the last three years is that nothing's impossible. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. we kind of chatted about that earlier, you know, when the, when the pandemic stuff was starting. And it's still, even as much as I had distrust in the government and, and authoritarianism, there's no way they're going to shut things down for more than two weeks. Yeah. Boy, who was I ever not even wrong? Yeah. Uh, we've got, and and people, as you said, who, who weren't previously politically engaged are engaged now. They're awake. I mean, you know, yeah. the term some people yeah. use is red-pilled. I mean, they realized, holy cow. I can't passively sit and watch reality TV. And hey, it's nothing wrong with that for a distraction now and then. Yeah. I've got to start paying attention. That that was a real eye opener I saw during the the convoy, for example. Yeah. yeah. Was there was actually a couple of friends of mine that I didn't even realize they even thought about politics. They traveled all the way to Ottawa and stayed out yeah. there for a week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they never would have done something like that years before. So we are at a tipping point, I think, in the world. And and as well, we have the the authoritarians, the globalists, the WEF are, are really you know, exposing their hand. People are watching it. They're exposing it. But the battle is on. At the same time, we've got a government that's trying to shut down alternative media. We've got a government that's trying to control the Internet. That's they right. want to that's right. push this in. So we might hit that point. But that's part of where we got to prepare and train and be ready then to, to take the political initiative when the time comes. Because if the real disaster hits, the real imposition of something really beyond the pale again from the federal government... Yeah. If we're running around like ants in a stirred up hill, we're not going to get anything accomplished. So we've got to have some sort of plan, some sort of goal, some sort of definition. We have to build that ourselves because, again, the parties haven't been doing it. And that's where I like the Alberta Prosperity Project. I mean, it's doing that role yeah. in, in being there as more of an educational or even a socially gathering sort of yeah. way. Yeah. It may stay. It may go. I, You know, it's hard to yeah. predict. But yeah. that is the way to start building that base that we need, not with a political party that's just prone to unfortunately exploding. That's right. And, and of course, you've been around doing politics for 20, dare I say, 25 years, maybe? -ish. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Getting and, uh, and, and things have obviously changed. I mean, now you, you were kind of joking about putting together a website. Now there's social media and, and a lot of uh, a lot of the advertising and stuff does uh, is online because there's always a phone in someone's face. Right. And you either do ads for it or you do videos for it or you do podcasts or webinars or something like that in order to educate people. And, you know, we, even when we were talking about in terms of uh, if you're doing something for a political party, 
Now political parties are strapped. They can only have a maximum of $4,300 per person per year uh, given to that political party versus APP. As far as I know, the sky's the limit. So if we wanted to actually do a giant billboard campaign to say, you know what, we need independence and this is the reasons why, boom, 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 and put 100 billboards around Alberta, APP could do that and just yeah. generate that idea. We wouldn't yeah. have we can't endorse a particular party, but we could definitely give out that idea. Yeah, exactly. As long as you stay out of the partisan battle that's going on yes. out there and you're pushing a policy or concept, yep. as you said, the sky's the limit and that's another way to get out there. Plus, yep. we, we have means of communication that are unimaginable now than they were to me 20 some years ago when I yep. started the Alberta Independence Party. Like, yep. We would do a mail out to 3,000 members. Literally, we'd have a room full of volunteers sitting up all night stuffing and licking envelopes and said, and that was a terribly expensive too to, to get that out there and then wait. And now I, I, I could pick up my phone and <laughs> I could send a tweet out and piss off 40,000 people in five seconds. That's right. Uh, the, the power we have to communicate is, is amazing how quickly it can happen, which yeah. again is why authoritarians are so afraid of it and really want to control it. Yeah. But it's also where we can screw up. Rumors can get spread. Misinformation can get spread. Yeah. Fights can happen that never really needed to happen. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, like any tool, if it's used wrong, you, you can cause more damage than good. But we've got a lot of opportunity ahead of us now that we didn't have 20 years ago or 40 years ago when Doug Christie was working on it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the days of the newspapers are, are pretty much over. Everything is now electronic, although they do they do still print stuff. But uh, it's pretty uh, thin. I, I went back to my, my parents in Manitoba in December, and they're one of the only people that I know that actually get the Winnipeg Free Press delivered to their homes every yeah. single day. <laughs> I, I, I kind of miss it. You know, I, I get romanticized with the notion. I, I remember I, I was a voracious reader. I was always into yeah. the news and the politics, so yeah. I'd get the papers delivered. And it'd be a nice big, thick Calgary Herald on Saturday, and you'd smell yeah. that newsprint, and I could sit and have a coffee and just read that. that. Yeah. And now it's a little more than a flyer. Um, and, and they're broke. They're in dire, dire trouble. They aren't reporting like they used to. Yeah. And now they're and beholden to the government because they're getting and bailouts. We are getting, we are getting our news from independent sources now. At least it, the group that I hang out with and all that, like no one watches global, uh, although I shouldn't say that, but realistically, nobody watches mainstream media, right? They're all, uh, they all have their own in, in independent media, uh, Western Standard, True North, all those sorts of things. So even with that, do you think that has actually maybe it's even hurt us even in the end because the mainstream media was used to getting all this money in terms of let's call it advertising revenue we know where it actually came from from the government but let's just say that you know hockey night in canada blah 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 they do all this sort of stuff and then all these little independent medias come up from um from just you and i doing our own spiel and we're taking away audience numbers from the big numbers or from the uh, mainstream media. So now mainstream feels like they actually have to cause some issues in order to pull readership, viewership back to them. Right. Yeah. We're, we're eating their lunch and they don't know how yeah. to deal with it. And they're yeah. in a panic almost. I mean, some of it wasn't always all tax funding. I will kind of correct a little. Like if you yeah. look at an old newspaper, you used to have every day a couple thousand classified ads because if you, you wanted to do anything, you wanted to yeah. find a, an apartment or get a job or sell a couch or buy a car, you spent yeah. 20 or $30 to get a classified ad. Well, yeah. the paper was reeking in 20, 30,000, 40,000 a day just from classifieds. And those yeah. are completely gone. Yeah. 
But no, what yeah. happened then is they laid off all the reporters because they, they had no money anymore. And mm -hmm. this is a risk we have, though, because I, I, I mean, of course, I'm very pro-independent media. I love what we're doing with the standard. We've got yep. more reporters on the go almost than the, the Herald these days, it seems. But uh, there's not somebody there to cover the fire down the street like there used to be. And and it, like we, we've got more information than we've ever had, and we have less at the same time in some ways. Yep. So yeah. we're in flux. I, I'm optimistic, but we've still got a lot of, uh, to overcome yet. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and bring someone on who just sent me a text and I think it would be an interesting conversation. Um, but one of the things I do want to do. So if we were to become an independent province or anything, do you have any idea of, of how we would get there and, and what it would look like, like in terms of setting up, like would we set up our own um a police force how would we handle our uh, own pension plan do you want to maybe yeah. talk about that while i do my magic over here sure Th those are a couple of question marks that we need to actually take out of the mix if we want to build the basis for support these are things we can do before there's full independence i mean yeah. it was called the alberta agenda it's yeah. been called a number of things uh premier smith's getting demonized for even talking about them before but they're important yeah. It makes it harder and harder for somebody to say no because they don't have that. They can't say, well, what will happen to my pension? Well, if we already have an Alberta pension plan, that question's gone. Yeah. Uh, what about police? Well, we already have provincial police, so that question's gone. Uh, we can do those things already, and we should. We really need to. Again, as we every step we distance ourselves from that centralized government will make it easier for when the day comes that we do step away through a referendum. Now, if the referendum happens through the Clarity Act as it's written, it means that they go, once that vote happens, well, then the negotiations begin. It's not overnight. Yep. So that's where you really do have to start talking about what is a new constitution going to look like? Uh, how are you going to manage this independent state and, and things such as that? And there's no easy answers for that. That's where things could potentially fall apart as well. So yeah. it's a what, what about, um, so here's another question that I had about the, uh, the actual referendum. So, you know, again, we, we were talking about whether or not we can have a um, uh, an independence-minded party present this in the legislature, but we don't necessarily have to do that. We could actually do a, uh, uh, what's it called, a citizens, uh, I had my notes here. Yeah, citizens <laughs> initiated. Yeah. How would that look like? Because I believe we have like 600,000 members or 600,000 signatures that we would need for that. Yeah. That, that's what I was saying is, is the, the legislation we have currently is fake. It, it's something yeah. that Jason Kenney promised and then he put an impossible one out so that nobody will ever actually use it. So yeah. the government in power, whoever that might be, has to be pushed and pressured to fix that legislation and put the power into the citizens. And yeah. I, I understand there has to be a bar. We don't need everybody starting a referendum because their neighbor's dog craps too much in their yard or whatever. Yeah. yeah. There has to be a bar, but it has to be a realistic one. And, yeah. and this one is way out there. I mean, people don't realize it. If you've actually petitioned before, and that's what this is, a physical paper petition that has to be witnessed and yes, signed. signed. Yeah. Uh, and you go door to door, a hundred in a day is a fantastic worker. Yeah. And if you've got a three month period to come up with 600,000 of signatures on paper like that in the trust environment, we have some people might support, but they're not giving you their name. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's not going to happen. So I know got to fix that. Legislation. There's even a uh, petition, I believe, and it may have started. I'm not sure, but it's about uh, our Calgary mayor, uh, Mayor Gondek, same sort of thing. And it's a uh, 40% of uh, all Calgary el eligible voters. 
which is funny because I believe we only had like 32% of all voters actually come out. And then of that, 40% of them voted for Gondek. Yeah, so, it, again, it's a ridiculously yeah, uh, yeah. It, it unreachable bar that, that has to be fixed. And I noticed somebody started an online one, and hey, good on you, but yes, yeah. for this to work, if you were going to go with the rules, it has to be a paper one. It has to be yeah. physical, in person. So yeah, yeah. You know, online one's fun, but it, it won't force the government to do anything, yeah. I'm afraid. Excellent. I'm going to bring on our special guest, totally unprepared and whatever, but I'm so glad to see him. Please welcome Dr. Dennis Modry. Ah, uh, hello. Hey, How are you? Hey. <laughs> so you text me saying do you want to bring me on you obviously have something that you really really want to talk about well first of all i i i do actually um because obviously uh the whole concept of alberta sovereignty has been near and dear to my heart and has been the genesis of app of course um but i also wanted to congratulate Corey on his book yes. um and just bring up a couple of uh, a couple of interesting points that I thought the, the Corey and maybe the audience would be interested in. One of the things that I go back to, Corey, you're absolutely right that uh, now is not the time to have a referendum on Alberta secession. Um, it would fail and who knows how long it would take to build the support for such a referendum in the future. So there's no sense having it now. Um, but one of the things that um, is important, I think, to understand is really where is the population? Mm -hmm. And I like to go back to uh, February the 4th uh, last year. And, and you might all remember that Angus Reid survey um, in which the question that was posed across Canada and each province was, are you disillusioned with the federal government? And in Alberta, 73% of Albertans were disillusioned with the federal government. In Saskatchewan, it was even higher at 76%. But if you just drill down in Alberta, uh, of that 73%, 33% wanted out at that time. And 40% didn't want out, but they want a better deal within Confederation. Yeah. So we then conducted a poll of many thousands of people uh, through APP. And the question posed was, what does Alberta independence mean to you? And there were five answers that people could give. And this gets to a point that you made earlier, Corey. People have a different perspective on what independence means or what Alberta sovereignty means. But the five answers that we provided that people could choose from was, Alberta remains in Canada, number one, Alberta remains in Canada, but with complete control of its wealth and affairs, number two, Alberta remains in Canada with some control of its wealth and affairs, sort of like where we are now. Three, Alberta leaves Canada and joins the U.S. That's kind of like jumping from the, you know, the frying pan into the fire. Yeah. Four, Alberta leaves Canada, becomes an independent, sovereign constitutional republic. And five, Alberta leaves Canada along with Saskatchewan, possibly Manitoba, the territories, and somewhere all of B.C. Hmm. And the result of that was really quite interesting. We even we had a, a different perspective within the team. Mm -hmm. But the outcome in general was this, that Alberta 51 and Alberta remaining in Canada, but with just some control of its wealth and affairs, finished dead last. Mm -hmm. The other three, Alberta becoming an independent sovereign constitutional republic, Alberta joining with um, 
with um, other regions in Western Canada to form a new nation, um, and Alberta remaining in Canada, but with complete control of its wealth and affairs, was a statistical tie. It was within a percentage point or two uh, margin of error. So thinking about that, the importance of getting to what you referred to, you, you made mention of the Clarity Act, um, it's important for every one of those paradigms to understand that if you don't empower a provincial government, whatever the, the Alberta provincial government is, if you don't empower them with um, the leverage required to negotiate from a position of strength, you're never going to get there. Mm -hmm. And that position of strength comes, as you gentlemen have been discussing, is with a successful uh, secession referendum. Mm -hmm. But per the Clarity Act, if you look at the fourth paragraph of the Clarity Act, why it can appeal to all five of those paradigms is because the fourth line of the, or the last line of the fourth paragraph says, negotiations might lead to secession. Oh, yeah. On yeah. the other side of the coin, negotiations might lead to Alberta getting everything that it wants within Canada. Mm -hmm. And you can be sure that if, let's just say, for example, Daniel Smith and the UCP win the election, and a couple of years down the line, Alberta has control of the things that you talked about, policing, pension, immigration, employment insurance, provincial tax collection, because mm -hmm. that does not require a secession referendum. And within 18 to 24, 30 months, that can be achieved. But let's just say, for argument's sake, in, in 24 to 36 months from now, um, that secession referendum takes place. And Daniel Smith and UCP are now um, empowered to negotiate from a position of strength. Imagine, if you will, negotiating with Ottawa and the other provinces, and instead of just dealing with the just transition or Bill C-69 or Bill C-48 or C-11, 18, 21, yeah. or dealing with um, ending equalization of the Canada Health Act, dealing with any of these things, just imagine you can deal with them all at one time. Yeah. It's not as though you're you're being forced to deal with just one issue. You deal with them all. And if Alberta doesn't get what it wants, well, of course, it can leave. Mm -hmm. But this is the way not only to save Alberta, but for those people who want to save Canada, this is the way to save Canada. And it may be the only way to save Canada is if Alberta is empowered with a secession referendum. And mm -hmm. I couldn't care which party is in power to make those negotiations. But let's consider something for a moment. Instead, because we're dealing with what's coming at us like a freight train with the Agenda 2030. Yeah. Why don't we come together, all freedom lovers for Alberta, and come together with the concept of Alberta Agenda 2027. Mm -hmm. Alberta Agenda 2027 means that our provincial government is empowered through that secession referendum. Now, there's something else that I want to make mention of, and that is the process. There are really two ways to get to a secession referendum. One is through what APP has been doing to educate the public on the need for it. Mm. And yes, it is true that the bar is high, Corey, and you, may, you touched on that. 600,000 
signatories collected in 90 days. But if you go to the APP website, you'll see there's a strategy to deal with that. And that strategy is just register your intention to support a secession referendum. And, and by collecting the contact information over a period of the next couple of years, then we could seriously have over 600,000 people that are willing to support a secession referendum. And then when we're at that threshold, then we have the contact information. It's easy then to collect 900 or 600,000 signatories plus within a 90 day period. It could be done within a month because yeah. we already have the contact information. So yeah. that's one way to do it. The other way to do it, and this is gonna be really interesting to see what happens politically. Think about what's going on right now with the Supreme Court dealing with Bill C-69, the Impact Assessment Act. Yeah. Um, and we know the way the Supreme Court adjudicated with respect to the carbon tax even though the Alberta Court of Appeal ruled that the carbon tax was unconstitutional, it was overridden by the Supreme Court. Now, Bill C-69 is being opposed by eight provinces. But do you think, and I'm going to ask this to, to you, Corey and Carrie, do you think the Supreme Court will rule in favor of the provinces on the Impact Assessment Act? Or will they wrap themselves around the climate argument and say, no, the Impact Assessment Act is legal and enforceable? What do you guys think? Uh, I think most of this stuff is going to be wrapped up in the climate argument. Okay. It, it's it's Corey, a sad, sad state, but. Yeah. Corey, yeah what's Likewise, it'll be one of their decisions, too, where they'll say, we understand this is an infringement on provincial rights, but the overriding problem is just so important yep. that we're going to have to rule in, in, in favor of the federal government because this act is just so essential for the savior of the earth and the, the fluffy bunnies and such. Yep. Okay, so this is this why this is I wanted to ask you guys this question, because it's fundamental to what the UCP does. Okay. And if the UCP really wants to protect Alberta's interests, our individual freedoms, rights, and prosperity, then they will stand against that yeah. in a way in which the premier, the party, assuming they are elected on May 29th, they are would be in a position to go to the public and say, the federal government will create an impossible situation for us. As uh, Jack Mintz has pointed out, ending our hydrocarbon industry will result in a one-third reduction in the average income of Albertans. Yeah. Therefore, I, am, I want to ask our Alberta public for a mandate to negotiate from a position of strength. Mm -hmm. So there's a red line here, right? The yeah. red line is what the Supreme Court does. And if the UCP government will stand for Alberta, they could ask the public for a mandate to negotiate from a position of strength, which is that's a set referendum. What do you think about that? Well, and yes, and I like how you talk about how in that sense, and I kind of touch on that a little bit in the book, but not fully because there's so many visions. But that's closer to what Ted Byfield was almost talking about. You know, Meech Lake and Charlottetown failed. Like we, we can't change the system right now, the way things stand or through the tools that are there. 
the Clarity Act, as you said, down there does give us the means because that's when a real negotiation could begin. And that's when Canadians will realize we're serious. Like, we're serious. That There's two options here. We're either going to find a deal that Alberta can be satisfied with yeah. or they're gone. That, that, that's the two options you've got now. Right. And and uh, perhaps it'll go one of those two ways. But until you've had that vote, as you said, that's the position of power. You've got to be in that position of power because otherwise they hold yeah. all the cards. They, they, yeah. They, the, obviously, we we would like to have time in order to to boost up numbers, to boost up support. I really don't think we have time. That is my big concern about all this. Because never mind getting the numbers up and blah blah blah, we've still got C11 and C18, which could basically shut down this right. type of platform. And if we shut this platform down, how do we get any of this information to people? We don't. Terry, Terry, you're absolutely right. They are attacking the very foundation of democracy through. Whoops, did he freeze? Expression. Uh, Try again. Sorry, did did that not come through? It froze up, so. Oh, sorry. Um, So I I said, no, you touched on, with Bill C-11 and C-18, you've touched on the very fabric of democracy, which is foundation basically free speech and freedom of expression is foundational to democracy. And uh, by the way, speaking of democracy, I just want to make one point. People keep forgetting this. We talk about democracy, but as you guys know, Churchill said democracy is the worst form of government except for everything else. But the reason democracy fails is because it ignores just as section one in the, um, Uh, Charter of Rights and Freedoms, it permits the infringement of individual freedoms and rights. Mm -hmm. And democracy will win if you always protect. Locked up again. I'll I'll, I'll do that. Famous Canadian Ray Nelson once said, um, if you protect individual freedoms and rights, you you will protect society's freedoms and rights but the reverse will never hold because the reverse gentlemen is fundamentally socialism taken to an extent marxism taken to the next extent is communism so so you can salvage democracy if you always have your legislation protecting individual freedoms and rights i think it's really important for the audience to understand that difference between protecting freedoms and rights versus protecting individual freedoms and rights. Yeah. Is there different? Yeah. No, I, and you know, getting back just the, the C11, C18 thing. So again, everything seems to spin off of privacy or, or the, the way that we can uh, function in uh, society. And I mean, there's probably people punching stuff in on the, uh, on the comments as well. Like, what do we do about, when people uh, post or, or have cameras out on their dri- driveways, when they're when they're up on the uh, the giant antennas and uh, and basically doing that sort of stuff, so this all kind of trickles into a bunch of other areas. That again, kind of what I was said to Corey is if we could break away from the federal government and make our own policies that are based upon privacy and and and. And, and freedom of expression, all that sort of stuff, then we're in a much better position than we would be under the federal government. 
Well, it's like Dr. Modry said too, and it's very important. We don't want to go from the frying pan into a fire. Yes. We want to go into a system that is going to protect those individual rights and move yeah. away from collectivism. Because yeah. if we just reproduce what we moved out of, we've just yeah. got a smaller version of what we just escaped. Yeah, and we're going to have the same problem from authoritarians yeah. uh, coming down on us in just a more micro scale. In fact, they might be more effective in cracking down on our individual rights with a smaller unit. So yeah. We, yeah. we have a lot of thinking to do and, and we yeah. can't start soon enough. And, and, and as yeah. Dr. Modri said that as well, absolutely. You can start that process of petitioning now, yeah. even if it's going to be a little while down. We've, we've got the means yeah. while we've got them because, yeah. yeah. No, it's great. Yeah, we got addresses. We can go and knock on people's doors or we say, you know, we're going to set up at the mall on a Saturday. You happen to be in our uh, area. You just come out and uh, sign it and uh, and get things done. And yeah, I think we could easily do that within like 90 days or something like that. Right. Yeah. So, gentlemen, with apologies, Corey, I didn't mean to usurp any component of your of your webinar this evening. And I'm happy to sign off. Yeah. Um, and let and let you guys carry well, on. Thank you very much for hopping on, for sure. Anyways, yeah. I just I just thought it might might be able to add some color to uh, the conversation. Awesome, yeah, absolutely. Sure. It's the I'm more sure. the better. People right. people definitely missed you and uh, and wanted to know what was going on with you. So that's that's great. I'm glad to see well, that. You're stay still tuned. Subsequent to the election, I may be back. Okay, excellent. All right. Great. Thanks, Thank everybody. You. Okay. All right. See you. Bye. Well, there you go. That was a little bit of a surprise. So awesome. And it's it's always great to have other people. I know uh, Chris Scott from Whistle Stop is probably <laughs> texting me saying, can I hop on now? No, you know what? We're going to just continue. <laughs> the story should be. Well, yeah, um, and, and it's good to bring those other things in. I, I mean, yeah. I, I hadn't really, as simple as it is, hadn't really thought about that. I would have put packed that into the book saying, you know, you know what? Get out there and start databasing. I mean, that yeah. petition sure you can't fill it in 90 days with this bar right now but yeah. you can certainly start building the base to do it so yeah. getting more of these discussions you see we just keep learning as we go and it's great yeah yeah and that's the thing like even though you've been doing this for 25 ish years um everything changes and um and you know if if we can learn from what's what's happened in the past and uh and grow from that then i think we're going to be in a much better position going forward so with that, if you don't mind, I'm going to go back and uh, I know there's some people that have asked some questions and um, I should give them the, uh, the opportunity to, uh, to post those questions. Um, let's see. And again, if you do have any questions, put uh, three question marks ahead of your question. And that way, when I scroll through, it's a little easier for me to take a, take a gander here. Um, because now I've gone right up to the beginning here and I can't find, oh, there you go. Well, here's, here's a big, big question and we might as well just start a little bit of a talk about it. What's going on with the independence party? Seems like they have run amok. So um, like you said in your book, this seems to happen to independence movements, independence parties. Um, do you want to make like, I'm, I'm not really any more pri uh, privy to any information about the Independence Party. And I know both uh, Pastor Art has done a statement and I know the Independence Party has done a statement. And I believe uh, there'll probably be one or two more statements. The uh, Independence Party is doing their annual general meeting on Saturday. But do you maybe want to just comment on like, is this is this a common thing? How did this work with your Alberta Independence Party? And that's a good question. Was that affiliated with the current independence party? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll start with my, my independence party was not 
affiliated with the current one. There was a gap uh, of decades, actually. You know, ours vanished off the map, and this one was newly formed uh, by, by other uh, individuals. Yeah. And uh, what's happening with them is typical of, of, of so many of them over the years uh, with the separation party. Uh, it was Bruce uh, Stubbs who was not Bruce Stubbs. <laughs> it's been so many years, but the, the leader was Bruce and there was infighting and, and uh, an attempted coup in there and they yeah. fell apart and the party went to the wayside uh, with, with Pastor Palowski. And, and uh, from what I've read on things, there's quite a clash in visions between what the board and I guess some of the members felt the party should be doing and, and, and yeah. Mr. Palowski's priorities. And uh, uh, perhaps was more interested in, in the, 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 the religious aspects as a pastor would be yeah. but you see that's what i mean is you get people in the same room with a party and it's just too hard to work together and stay in the same room when, when it's a group when it's a movement like this you can say well we disagree on those parts but we still agree on the bulk and we'll carry forward but with yeah. a party it's a lot tougher yeah. and uh, especially small parties uh, you know believe it or not the bigger ones are in some ways are easier to manage because you can kind of get that larger group but a small party can pivot dangerously quickly yeah. Uh, and and people with individual agendas can can really disrupt things, whether intentionally or or unintentionally. That's right. But, uh, and, with, and with a small party, you get uh, a larger ratio of people that are volunteering versus people who just sign up to be a part of the party, right? Uh, with the UCP, I think what do they have? Eighty hundred thousand. Let's just say I'm not even sure. Uh, with the Independence Party, it was probably five thousand. You know, and of those, I would say there's probably half of them are uh, are volunteers and actually active. Versus with the UCP, there's probably only a few handful, right? Or, or yeah, and I, I cover that in the book. I mean, yeah. that's too is, is how much influence you can have within a party or a group yeah. or a movement if you want to get active. It, it it's that's where a, a party as large as the UCP. I, uh, take back Alberta, for example, is a group that's going out there and they've been organizing people on the ground and they've been very strongly influencing some nominations and things. Yeah, yeah. And the reason it's happening is some people don't seem to realize. There was a nomination in Southern Alberta on a safe, safe seat. You knew it was going UCP unless a meteor hit every other competitor. <laughs> and there was only something like three or 400 people came out to the nomination meeting. Like, yeah. this is the party in power. This is yeah. a seat. And only three or 400 people came out. If you control 200 of them, you control that seat. So, so get active in a larger party and make an impact. Unfortunately, with a smaller party, though, they, they, when you do those sorts of things, it can turn into an implosion. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we're, we're, yeah. So, we're seeing it happen with that. And the Wilders Independence Party, too, Paul Hinman got into battles with his own board. Yeah. Uh, and they split, and, and they're still fighting it out in the courts. And meanwhile, the election is less than two months away, and, and yeah. neither party is going to be in any position to yeah. uh, seriously contend anywhere by the looks of it right yeah. now. What do you think about uh, voter apathy? So, you know, prior to yesterday, uh, I would have said, you know, if there was was 5,000 Independence Party uh, um, members, 4,990 would have gone out and voted, right? And the UCP, again, you know, if there's 80,000, I'm not even sure. I, I beg to even say that 40,000 would get out there and to do it because they, they really don't think that their vote counts. What would you What would you say about that? Well, apathy is an ongoing thing. And, and when nothing changes, fewer people feel like going out. Uh, yeah. Part of the issue with the UCP, they have a large, large member base, but the, the, a lot of that's still hanging over from a leadership race. And you had a whole bunch of people selling memberships, uh, virtually giving them away, hard selling. And people sometimes are just, ah, fine, here, I'll, I'll yeah. buy one, get off my case. But in reality, yeah. they aren't that committed to the party. Yeah. A person who's going to commit to a smaller party is clearly uh, has some idealism, 
has some strong feelings on some sorts of issues or whatever that particular party is, is, is standing up for, yeah. and they want to use whatever tools they can with it. Yeah. But engaging the voters, it's, it's hard. They have to feel like it can go somewhere. And, and that's part of, I think, again, with, with a, a, an independence movement and moving towards that, people need to see some sort of light at the end of the tunnel. Why should I take part in this? That's part of what I like to point out. That the system is definitely flawed. It's got a lot of handicaps. It's got a lot of problems. But we do have some ways we can play within it and reach that end. We have to convince people to realize it's worth it. It's, it's worth yeah. taking part. Someone had posted, and I'm sorry, I've scrolled it, so I can't find the, the question, but it was basically uh, the Reform Party started out as kind of like an educational component too, as is the APP, and yet it actually rolled into a party. Why can't the APP roll into a party? And I, and honestly, I, I, I mean, it probably could, but it's not structured that way. It's done up specifically just to be an educational component. And I think in order for that to happen, they would have to really make a lot of changes to their bylaws and that would probably take time anyways. And so that it would, that's not even in the cards for this election guaranteed. It's not, I don't know if you want to make any comment on that or if you can. Uh, I mean, you know, my personal point of view, it's hard to speak. I'm not a member, but I'm not a member of yes. any party anymore. Yeah. I, I, I like my role in media because that way, if you guys screw up, I can still cut into you as, as quickly as I would anybody else or I'll applaud you when you do it right. <laughs> but uh, I would counsel against, I mean, people join this because they wanted a group or a movement. I mean, we have five other independence leaning parties out there. If people yeah. wanted that, they could have joined and got on with that. Yeah. And looking at the fate of them right now, I mean, looking at how, much of a base the APP is built with the work that you guys have been doing and Chris and Dr. Modri, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the hazards of going into the party movement with it, uh, the chances of that being the end of the AP are very, very yeah. high. And yeah. I, I wouldn't personally, anyways, my opinion is that it would be a very bad idea. Yeah, that's good. Uh, here's a question to you. What does Corey think of constitutional conventions? Like not so, conventions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're speaking of, of of conventions and getting together to, to yeah, yeah. <laughs> to try and discuss a, a new con constitutional basis or makeup or um, I, I am not uh, either that or just uh, like coming up with uh, new terminology and and maybe just um, like conventions being the two two English. I hate the English language. Every word has two meanings. Right? Yeah, and. <laughs> so, and like convention, of course, being a, a big convention, or in terms of uh, or the conventions within the Constitution, yeah, like like the wording uh, and uh, structure of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I the current Constitution's garbage. I, that much I'll, I'll say. It's flawed. It's out of date. It's uh, again serves the central government. It was built Always, yep. in 1867, and it perhaps made sense at the time, but. It hasn't been nearly significantly uh, amended enough. I know there's been changes since then to yeah. address the way the country has grown and changed or the way society has. I mean, that's yeah. the whole reason, I think, for optimism in independence movements, because yeah. we have the opportunity to build a new uh, and modern constitution uh, to move forward with. Or I see Lorna following further. Oh, there's a group called the Constitutional Convention, and they've done a okay. work. Okay. okay. Well, I appreciate that. I I, I can't. I'd, I'd be speaking of ignorance then if I spoke to it. I'm not familiar with that group. I'm very sorry about that, uh, Lauren. Uh, but uh, I, perhaps uh, I'll, I'll look it up. I definitely will. Because that's a complicated, big area we got to get into. And that's a big question. What is happening the day after? What is the system going to look like? And, and yeah. uh it's going to take a lot of thinking and, and uh, working and, and stuff like that. So yeah. I'll look into it. Yeah. So a, a couple of comments that are kind of related to this. And of course it's through uh, 
the, our app followers are and i certainly appreciate any any of the comments that come through people saying total independence be a republic stop the flow of money east aiding and abetting criminal of activity i certainly will not argue that fact right no no it's just how we're going to get there that's that's yeah. the the tough part yeah but I, uh, most of us kind of agree yeah what are the benefits to an independence movement distinct from a political party and, mm -hmm. and you touch on that in the book Right. Yes. And, and and the movement or whether it's a group. Well, I mean, if you're looking at the movement as a whole, I want it to be organic and not even tied necessarily to a specific group or party. Yeah, It's just kind of growing. As I said, you know, people are hopefully holding tattered copies of my book or other things and saying, this is, you know, how we can keep spreading that word on the ground and building an actual movement. Uh, as well, I guess if you're talking about things like the Prosperity Project, which is more of a movement based or a then you can stay more focused though on independence. Yeah. A party has to deal with everything. It has to deal with health care, with education, with uh, road maintenance, with so many other issues, which are all important and somebody has to do it. But you, you, you only can focus on so many things and independence in itself. There's enough there to keep a movement focused on that alone. Yeah. And uh, when you're in a movement, you can do that with a party. You have no choice but to address all the other things. That's right. Um, and again, these are all just kind of random questions here. Alberta has provincial police, RCM, RCMP federal. So yeah, we do have RCMP. So uh, we're looking at if 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 we were to adopt a model for provincial police, we would be looking at the Ontario provincial police. Um, from what I've heard, we've had uh, Danny Bulford on uh, and a couple of other retired police officers and uh, and RCMP officers, and they've actually said that if we were to do that, they would use that as the model. Now. The question is, is do you bring in people that are affiliated and actually are working for RCMP in order to do this? Or do you bring in people that uh, at least have the knowledge? And I think, you know, if we really wanted to make it our an Alberta provincial police force, we would definitely bring in uh, maybe retired people or people that are not currently affiliated with the, uh, the current RCMP. Yeah, it's another area I see as an opportunity. I mean, police forces have been having a very hard time in a number of ways. I mean, they've yeah. got some cultural issues baked yeah. into them, unfortunately, yeah. which leads to some problems. They've got some politicization issues heavily, particularly with the RCMP. Yeah. So if we look at a building a provincial force, look at it as an opportunity, bring in consultants, be very careful, build that mandate to make sure this is more answerable to the citizens and not to the political leaders. Yeah. Um, it sticks to being a police force, not an arm of the government. Mm -hmm. Uh but uh, as somebody saying, do we have one? Yeah, we, we have the sheriffs. And I noticed that uh, Premier Smith's been trying kind of an incremental thing in a sense that, well, you know what? We can encourage Grand Prairie to have a municipal force and then they don't need the RCMP. Uh, I guess there'll be a few ways to keep going at that. And, and something else that's difficult is a lot of people have a lot of romantic attachment to the RCMP office uh, itself, you know, and there's a lot of history to yes. it. Yeah. Or they, they know and like there are some good RCMP officers. Yeah. And as I've said, hey, if we cut off the contract with the RCMP and we formed a provincial force, if the officers are good and they're qualified, there's nothing to stop them from applying yeah. and, and, and getting hired with the new force and uh, staying here and being, uh, you know, a, a force that, that, that sticks to their mandate and serves Albertans, not a federal government in Ottawa. That's right. Um, can people be members of more than one party? Of course. Yeah. However... I believe the difference is the NDP. I believe they frown upon if uh, you're an NDP and a, say, a CPC federal or a, 
uh, UPC or, you know, or UCP uh, member. Um, do you want to make a comment on that? Sure. And I've seen that rule. I think the Alberta Alliance used to have that in their constitution saying you can be a member of uh, mm. other political parties That's as well. True too. Yes, you're right. Yeah. But it's it's very unenforceable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, unless the other party is going to share their membership list with you, they don't know who you're a member of unless you're yeah. telling them or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so you can be a member of as many parties as you want. There's certainly no legislation or anything like that saying you can't be a yeah. member of, of more than one party. So if yeah. a person wants to take that on, go yeah. for it. Okay. We're, uh, we're going to take a few more questions and then we'll uh, wrap this up. But uh, there's a bunch of really good, interesting questions. And I hope, Corey, you're okay with answering some of these things. Oh, I can uh, Bible forever. How do, how do we attract younger people? Well, you put, you put yeah. your phone on and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's hard. And I, I think I talked about that in the book too. You know, part of with, with the Reform Party when I joined them, you know, and I was a long-haired young guy and they'd always stick me at those meetings of these god awful light blue shirts, you know, yeah. to show that we're not a bunch of old white men at the reform party. See, we got young people there. Yeah. Uh, and then in all honesty, the average age at a reform party town hall meeting was probably well into the sixties. Yep. Uh, that's always going to be a challenge, particularly for conservatives. Part of our problem too, if you remember the old saying, and it might've been Churchill again, if, if you're 20 and you're not a socialist, you have no heart. And if you're that's 30 right. and you're still a socialist, you have no brain. Yeah. So you, you got to kind of wait for the younger people to grow into, uh, better movements but yeah. still how to attract them you know and it's true you got to try and reach out uh make them comfortable you know try to bring in multiple ones if you're sitting alone you feel awkward i used to feel awkward i'm yeah. 24 years old and sitting in a room full of 60 year olds they were all friendly and fantastic but i'm not with my peers and this is a yeah. little uh, socially stressful that's right yeah. um and just future Show future. I mean, they're looking farther up. You know, I, I'm only going to be looking 20, 30 years out. You know, chances are I'm not going to survive beyond that. Well, a young person's got to look at a much longer game. Yeah. So they got to see what's in it for me. Yeah. And that's with anybody in politics. They're, that's the inside question, even if they won't ask it directly. What's in it for me? So find yeah. out what you think is in it for them. Yeah. And if you can offer that, they'll jump on. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree to that. And it's, it is an interesting question because you could ask that about how do you attract younger people or, or maybe people not in your, your immediate group to anything. And especially when you're talking about politics, uh, again, um, Corey's, Corey's the oddball of, <laughs> of most of us, I guess, like jumping in uh, politics early. And here I am 50 uh, ish. And I'm uh, and I'm only really getting into this, and um, so it it is a matter of, you know, getting people excited, getting getting them to understand uh, what things will happen later on, uh, if they don't do anything now, and uh, and essentially that's the re reason why I think most of us are in this situation where we're looking back now and go, well, if we were only a little bit smarter ten or twenty years ago, and we were looking into things then, but at that point, you know, life is. Life is good. You're out doing whatever you need to do. And there's still a lot of people that are doing that exact same thing. So we need to uh, to kind of figure out ways to to get them involved. And I don't know, maybe just a big uh, a big party sometime for a young group. Or Well, some of that is keep it fun. You know, I, I talk about that a bit in the book, too. Like I have a whole chapter on how to take part in political parties because yeah. most people don't know. They don't tell you, teach you that in school. Uh, you don't know how to take part uh, necessarily in a constituency board or a nomination nope, or an AGM right. or, or a convention. Yeah. Uh, one of the fun things, if you're kind of even a little into it, go to a convention with a good race going on and hit those hospitality suites. Guys, you're getting free booze. You're going room to room. 
it, it's not I that didn't dope. know that. Yeah, I mean, I, I abuse my privileges, so I haven't had a drink in years now. But boy, I yeah. certainly indulged and enjoyed them then. Like, it doesn't all have to be dull. And and yeah. and, and uh, some young people might realize that too. You know, you can you can party it up at some of these gatherings too. Yeah. It's not just a bunch of stodgy old guys yelling at each other. Oh, but, that's a lot of it. Yeah. Um, Corey, what are your thoughts on electronic voting? I despise it. I think it's a terrible route to go on. Uh, no matter how well-meaning and how, uh, you know, if it's well-meaning, <laughs> I doubt the, the motivations of some people pushing it. Yeah. But it puts doubt into the system. And if your system has doubt, your system won't work. I, I've got very strong views on that. I wrote columns on that. We have a system with paper, with verifiable ballots. And uh, if you've been a scrutineer in an election, you can see yeah. Every step from, you know, they, they open the empty ballot box at the start when they open the polls and you can stand there all day if you like and you can watch them open it and count them. Yeah. It's a very good system. Yeah. But you go into that electronic crap and now we got room to mess with it and we don't need to go into it. We have one that works. Yeah. Leave it alone. Yeah. Keep the trust. And boy, we got to fight the electronic voting for all we're worth. Even if this incarnation supposedly means well, we can't go down that road. What are your thoughts on um, actually having individual voters in terms of voting on practically everything. So if we ended up having some sort of, of a, and this is just, I'm just throwing this out there. Um, obviously the, the initial system was done up based upon uh, back then, you, you know, it took you three or four days to ride a pony express out to Ottawa, et cetera, et cetera. We all know that story. But now we could actually vote on anything online um, right away. So the issue would be instead of having people lobby uh, or have a lobbyist working uh, for big business corporations for particular bills and, and policies with the government, now we would be the ones actually voting on every individual uh, idea. So we as individuals would be voting on the idea of C11 and C C18 as an example. What would your what would your thought be on doing that? Is that a good idea, bad idea? Uh, oh, very fine. good as long as it's not electronic. And, and again, it, going back to where I go into the Swiss system, they, yeah. they have a very heavy direct democracy system. They hold multiple referendums on multiple issues in every yeah. canton every year. And I love that idea. I love that. turnouts are usually pretty yeah. good. Yeah. And again, it's because they've set a bar to initiate these referendums. So it's not too easy. It's yeah. not going to be frivolous. But if it's a major issue... There's no question it's going to go to the people because uh, they, they won't stand for having the government decide it without them having the chance to, to debate it for a month yep. and have people get off their butts and, and go out and make their mind up on it. So direct democracy, I very much want to see in the new yep. system. And we can have it in our current one yep. if Smith will fix that crappy referendum legislation that uh, Jason Kenney gave us. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, here's one. Can Corey talk about being an ambassador for independence? I'm not quite sure what they want to do, but maybe you have an idea. Well, I'm thinking maybe Kate's read the book. I I, I have a chapter called Ambassadors for Independence, and, and okay. that's where I talk a little bit more on that basis of how to view yourself as an activist than if you want to spread the word. Yes. So if you want to consider yourself, then you're an ambassador for it. You're spreading the word. Even if you're an individual doing it, whether you're on Twitter or Facebook, and I show a little bit on how to operate a little better on social media because we can be good at it or we can be bad at it, yeah. how to talk to your coworkers, how to talk to family members. I talk about other important things too. If yeah. somebody doesn't want to hear it, back off. It's it's not worth family fights over. It's not worth tension with your coworkers over. 
pick and choose the times to to push this. You don't want to be a fanatic, you know, that gets annoying. You don't want to be the Amway salesman who's just can't talk about anything else. Yeah. But you know, start doing it with thought, with a goal in mind. You think this person's receptive. And I, and I give some tips on even how to open the conversation. I, I think I, I put it in there in the book. My favorite for that one, if somebody's concerned about the system, but still not quite there. I say, well, just a mental exercise. Just imagine that Alberta is not within Confederation. Mm-hmm. And the rest of Canada is saying, we'd like you to join us. Yeah. Would you sign on to the deal they're offering right now? Right now? Oh, yeah. Nobody's sure. going to say yes to that. Nobody says, <laughs> so okay, well, yeah. then let's talk about what parts would you want to change before you would join Canada. So you kind of reverse the entire equation. That's a great conversation, yes. And, and it is, and it's productive because then they start thinking about it. Well, I would like to see this different, and I'd like to see that. Well, how can we get there, and how can we do that? So that's the ways about being an ambassador for independence is, is to getting a little better at spreading that word on the ground and making other people think about it and, and productively and positively. It doesn't always have to be negative. It doesn't have always be the old heart souls out in Ottawa, which they are sure. But, but let's, you know, look at the goal on, on drawing people rather than just being angry all the time. I specialize in angry, but it can be positive too. <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks for the question there, Kate. We know Kate. And uh, so here's another one. Great idea about the, Alberta police, but what about Mayor Gondek and crew passing new laws and making police enforce very unpopular law, uh, laws about dancers for children and protesters, all that sort of stuff. So I think the important thing is that, you know, we have a political process. We, we, we do vote people in uh, and, uh, and do it that way. But if you're not happy, then get a hold of your um, your city councillor, uh, get a hold of your uh, MLA, get a hold of your MP, and make it known. It's it's these people that, of course, I deal with with restaurants quite often, uh, like on a daily basis. And when I go in and I deal with them in the morning, uh, there's always the old guys sitting at a table complaining about stuff and that they could solve the world's problems. And I very often will go up to them and say, are you solving the world's problems by sitting at a table of six? Or have you actually got up off your ass and made a phone call? 90% of that time, they have never made a phone call. Well, yeah, and, and, and we have a lot of means at our disposal. And, and yeah, Gondok's frustrating. And part of it, I give kind of two answers in a sense. Yes. One is we need to protect individual rights. One of the threats that's happening, no matter where you sit on the issue, is the right to protest is very, very important and infringing yeah. upon it and, and pushing out. It doesn't matter whether you support the, the drag shows or you don't, this is yeah. getting some very dangerous territory and that we need to entrench those individual rights a lot more strongly so that elected individuals can't infringe on them. And we just, sometimes you have to deal with people protesting you don't like, yeah. but getting on to something else. And, and again, just to, I've only been to one of their meetings, but it was interesting and it was take back Alberta. Yeah. But somebody talked about this issue. And, and the thing that Parker said was, well, everybody in here, and there's maybe 150 people there, so raise your hand if you've been on the board of your local library. Oh, yes. Not a single hand in the room went wow. up. Yeah, that's right. And you know what? Well, you can go there. You can join the board. And when you're on the board, you can say, we aren't holding story time drag hour. Yeah. You can do that. So instead of screaming outside, as you said, instead of screaming with your group of six, yeah. look at the system. The, the progressives have learned to play the system. That's why they own these library boards but you know what you show up at one of those meetings and to join the board they need they got 10 positions open there's six people there like yeah. guys you yeah. can take that stuff over so yeah. it's, it's kind of on us a little and that's yeah. uh, what we got to remember that's great um so that's it for questions i don't know if you want to maybe give a, a little bit more of a pitch on uh 
people should go out and buy your book. Like, <laughs> I'm going to say that right away. Uh, and, well, I'd, I'd uh, like him too. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> you know, let's let's support you and uh, and uh, and and the work that you do. And of course, um, you're on uh, the Western Standard, and uh, you're a columnist for there. And you also have your own show. How often is your show? Yeah, the, the show's every Wednesday. It runs live with the Western Standard on all our channels. Uh, and then it gets rebroadcast on the Cowboy Network and uh, RFTV okay. and uh, Wild TV on Friday nights at prime time. Uh, yeah. I think that's like channel 8000 on your cable dial or something, but it is up there. Yeah. Uh, as well, I write for the Epic Times. I blog on CoreyMorgan.com. If you really want to get fighting with me, Twitter's my favorite playground at oh, yes. Corey yeah. B. Morgan. Yeah. And uh, of course, just to remind people to plug that book. Uh, yeah, it's at uh, gvlbooks.com or uh, you can uh, look it up on Amazon, the Sovereignist Handbook, and, and uh, you can get a, a hard copy there or, or a digital version. Awesome. Good. Um, I'm going to change my name back instead of, well, actually, I could, guess I could leave that. So yeah, we were, we were talking about whether to sign up for the uh, Alberta referendum so that you're in your list and uh i believe it is this one um that's membership close i've got way too many of these things open up here events no i guess i think that's it and um but you can go to bit.ly slash ab vote yes actually as i'm reading it looks like abby vote uh, abby vatize <laughs> but ab vote yes would be a great place to go um well this this has been great i uh i've really enjoyed uh learning a little bit more about you and and talking about uh you know what what we can possibly do in terms of our own uh independence as you know we know that uh political parties come and go and uh leaders come and go and uh we can't really put all our eggs in one basket and it doesn't matter who's the leader of a particular party or government right now that can easily be swayed within uh well obviously we could easily be swayed within two months that we know of but even after that if if we ended up getting somebody else it seems we only have to wait four more years before we can change things again <laughs> well that could be a long four years but uh no i appreciate the chance to co come on and and I, I really do like what the alberta prosperity project's been doing so uh That's yeah awesome. I, was, I was thrilled to be able to come on and talk with you guys and uh, love what you're doing Excellent. Thank you so much. And uh, of course, we'd like to thank everybody for staying online and watching and listening and commenting and asking questions and all that. And we do APP webinars every Wednesday with new speakers and new information as we go along. I'm not actually sure who's coming on next Wednesday, but I do know, I think it's uh, two weeks from now, we will have uh, Michael Wagner, who has authored uh, books on uh, Western independence, Alberta independence in particular, I believe. And um, and I think that will be definitely up the alley of what we were just talking about as well. And most most of it in terms of uh, history and uh, and obviously with what we can possibly do going forward. So uh, please join us for that. And uh, we're always looking for volunteers. Uh, on <laughs> I always joke about that. We're always looking for volunteers because here I am having to run this show. <laughs> <laughs> entirely on my own and uh and we do have a couple of people that uh, we're helping out uh but you know we could always use that and and setting up app chapter events and a and even app provincial events we were doing that before christmas and uh, we're not doing as many of those anymore but uh, we definitely need to be doing that it seems that there's an election coming up and i think people are more focused on 
working with the parties and maybe even working with uh, groups like Take Back Alberta and and that sort of thing. And then once that election happens, you know, we need to get right back into this because we need to keep people uh, accountable as well, right? So it's not. I'm I'm a firm believer in the way our system works. Is we need a good opposition. Otherwise, the government in power is just going to roll right over and do whatever they want. And um, so you can probably tell which government I'm thinking of that could possibly do that. So let's uh, let's try and not have that happen this time. <laughs> and uh, with that, yes, thanks again, Corey. And uh, I'm going to log off and uh, wish you guys a fabulous rest of your evening. And we hope to see you at an event in person or online again very soon. Uh, and with that, take care. God bless. Good night, everybody. Now I have to actually go back and do this. Good night, everybody. Mm -hmm.